Welcome back to Grip Lock Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast in a bit of a unique format, I guess you could say. Uh, I'm getting absolutely wrecked. I can't, I can't catch a break. I mean, two weeks ago, I had flu A. Then as soon as I recovered from that, we went to Disney for me to run a marathon. That went good. But then the day after my marathon, my son starts puking everywhere. And we come home like two days later, take him to the doctor. Turns out he had flu B, which is important because that means that I wasn't immune to it yet. And then post marathon, (laughs) you have no immune system. So needless to say, Thursday, I catch that. And I'm, I feel like a normal human today, but the doctors say I'm apparently could still be contagious and I don't want anyone to have to go through what I just went through. So uh, I'm at home. I'm at home today. Uh, I'm also, I've lost 10 pounds, 10 additional pounds from the, uh, from the flu B. So I'm light as a feather right now. Um, no, yeah, I can't catch a break. I can't catch a break. Hopefully Trevor's doing better in the studio. Yeah. I've, I've on it and knock on wood here, but so far I've made it through six season. I need to make it like another month or so. Yeah. You got like another month, but I mean, Hey, now I should be immune to both. Yeah. You're invincible at this point. I'm a superhuman now. So, uh, Before we get into we got a lot to go over today, a whole, whole lot. We got all kinds of off-season movement. The PDGA is doing some stuff. The Pro Tour is making announcements. MVP is making some cryptic posts. We'll have some Trevor's trivia. And Clash Discs innovating. We got someone who did all the F1 points race as if it existed last year. Fascinating stuff. So before we jump into all of that, though, I want to throw it over to a quick word from our sponsors. Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world and is going through a hard time, therapy can give you tools to approach your life in a very different way. And that is why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible, and that is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially when you're limited to the options that are in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There's a link in my description. It's betterhelp.com foundation. Clicking that link helps support this channel, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you. And because finding a therapist is a little like dating, and, you really don't, and if you don't really fit with that therapist, which is a common thing with therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stressing about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. Um, Yeah, therapy is a super great tool. We've worked with BetterHelp in the past, and this is a great resource to use if you're struggling uh, with mental health or just going through a tough time in life. I highly recommend trying this out. Therapy can be a great resource to have. Um, So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com slash foundation. Thanks again to BetterHelp for supporting this channel. All right, let's kick it off the way we do every week uh, with the Patreon question of the week. Now, Trevor, I do have to ask you something uh, that no, some people who are listening might no. know what the frick was going on with the salsa chicken. <laughs> I'm assuming y'all put the patrons up to something. I had to go look for the Patreon question uh, of the week and I was out of the mailbag. dude. And I just gonna, scrolled through it. So, every question I was forgot, about salsa chicken. I forgot you looked through the questions. Dang it. I have to every week to pick I one. I know. They're going to be so mad at me. Um, so a week ago, I don't remember how it started, but Connor and I were, were the only ones on doing it is when you were at Disney, I guess. And um, 
we somehow got on the topic and I was like, guys, wouldn't it be really funny if we made like every question about Hunter's salsa chicken recipe and like it started subtle and it got to the point where he was like, okay, what's going on? Like, like see how long it took you to like realize there was a bit happening and some people got so creative with it. Like they like, I mean, Esteban wrote like an entire book to just to somehow finish it with like a salsa chicken question is hilarious. And I told them all, Last week I was like, just just copy and paste them to next week, but I'm gonna have to warn them. I'm gonna have to tell them that it, oh, yeah. it's, it's it's. I went on I there to totally look for didn't. a Patreon question of the week, and every single one I'd read, I'd be like, <laughs> did like they put them up to something. This is the shortest mailbag ever. Did you at least get a kick out of it? Well, the first like the first one, I was like, where did salsa chicken come from? The second one, I immediately go, oh, it's a bit. They put them up to it, <laughs> and then by like the fifth one, I'm like, Dang is there it. any actual questions for me to pull for this week's Patreon? Dang question of the it. Week? But there was. Larkin Campbell put one out there that I thought was very interesting. Uh, they want to know, who do you think will have the more successful career, Cole Radalin or Anthony Barella? That's a good question, yeah. I um, I was really I was really caught up in this one because like, my gut tells me A.B. because he's been around longer, and I think he's uber talented. Like I would say there's not really many players that are as talented as, as uh, Barella is, but – Rodolin is a proven winner. Barella is not. So, well, I, I shouldn't say Barella is not a proven winner at any level. I mean, he won U.S. AMS and U.S. or AM World AMS in the same exact year. Uh, but he has not won on the Pro Tour yet. He's gotten close a few times. Uh, Cole Rodolin is a winner. So that uh, that alone just let me say, ah, I'll take the easy way out, Cole Rodolin. But it, they're they're a total toss up. Well, I think the it depends on how you're looking at the question because I think that Anthony Barella will make more money throughout this the span of his career through um sponsorship because i think he is a more brandable personality i wonder when his contract is up i don't know dude's been with innova forever you mean discraft or that's oh that's right that's right (laughs) discraft why did that slip my brain i don't know i was like i literally was thinking about that i was like i was like is he still with innova that's right he went discraft yeah never mind uh but he's got a little bit more personality a little bit more brandability i think than cole (laughs) apparently they're not branding him enough because that's true that's a tough scene for my point (laughs) i was just making um but cole radolin though i think that the big separator is is cole radolin on the putting green um, yeah. he's a little bit streaky, but when he gets hot, he gets real hot, which I guess AB can be the same, be but AB's got all the arm talent in the world. It's just the clutch moments like we saw at the European Open, um, and obviously just the putting green. But I think both of them are set up for great success in their career. Um, so I think it just depends. I think if you have more success title-wise, I think go Cole Radolin. But I think you could be looking at a Ricky Wysocki, Paul Macbeth type of uh, uh, one-two here where Cole Rodolin could lean to the Ricky a little bit, where mm. he's going to have a very successful on-course career, but I don't know if that's going to translate as well to disc sales as Anthony Barella, who I think is going to be able to have that brandable personality um, and translate into a bigger fan base yeah. in the long run. I honestly just don't know if I've ever, like these days on the Pro Tour, I just don't think you win on the Pro Tour unless you have at the minimum the ability to like get hot with the putter like yes. you you have to on that weekend you have to be hot with the putter because like somebody is and they're gaining a ton of strokes on you it just doesn't you don't really see it anymore where guys can just out throw people and win um but yeah those guys they're next up next up yeah now uh before we get into our next topic i want to give a quick shout out we hit a thousand subscribers a few weeks ago um actually 
on the new Griplock channel, which you haven't checked out, be sure to do nice. so. Uh, we have reactionary content going on over there, clips from the main podcast going on, all kinds of stuff. And then in a little less than a month now, this show will be transitioning over to there. So all your Griplock content will be on Griplock's YouTube channel. You can find the link in the description down below. And we said we we're going to do a giveaway when we hit 1,000 subs. We're actually at like 4,000 subs That's now. So we're we trying hit, about to hit five. Yeah, yeah. we hit 1,000 very quickly. Um, so that giveaway will be coming this week. So be sure to head over there and subscribe. We'll probably just make a community post with a link to enter that giveaway. So um, that's coming this week. So head over there if you haven't already and make sure you subscribe to that to stay tuned. Now, Eagle McMahon obviously gone from Discmania. Um, but in his going, something very interesting came out. This was actually DM'd to us uh, from Cody Speck, one of our fans. He sent me these screenshots of someone who was selling Discmania discs, Eagle Discmania discs on the Collector and Thrower group. And I'm going to just read you some of these comments because some of the stuff that we've talked about has apparently been happening um, at Discmania. Let me get this like white screen up over here so my face stays lit somehow <laughs> while I'm reading from this dark screen over here. Okay. So this is a, a post on Discmania Collectors Group, and in the comments, he's kind of explaining what he's selling. He's saying, Discmania blended special blend Rainmakers for Eagle because he wanted stiffer than Flex 3. He was the only one with them and select people he gave them to. They're genuinely as, uh, they're stiff, double as stiff as a Flex 3. I think he was saying, yeah, that this is a Flex 4 uh, Rainmaker or something like that. And then people were confirming they also have a pair from Eagle, and they're con they can confirm they're extremely stiff. Hmm. Um, yeah, so Flex Four Rainmakers. Say most people probably don't even know they exist. They're stamped Flex Three is the key there. So the stamp is the same as the one you were putting with Trevor. It just says Flex yeah. Three Rainmaker, but they're more stiff because Eagle wanted them more stiff. And then the other one he was posting was another one. Guessing people don't know what this is. Similar to Flex Four Rainmakers. This is a proto. Cloudbreaker, Eagle mentions them in his in the bag. Different mold from the release Cloudbreakers, also exclusive to Eagle and maybe one other person. Different color and mold than release. And then someone said, These are supposed to be very overstable, right? And he said, Correct. Basically has a PD2 wing. So it seems that Discmania was making Eagle specific stuff, which makes you question. Wait, which driver was it? Which cloud, driver? It was, a, it was a Cloudbreaker. That they that they made more stable. It was more overstable for Eagle. That that's crazy. I mean, and I it was guess the same stock Cloudbreaker stamp on there. Yeah, Discmania this, this is in an interesting spot because, like we we've talked about this before. Like our, I mean, we've seen it in disc golf in the past, right? Like we've seen this happen all the time. Prodigy used to do it a lot. Um, but this idea of like players using differently stamped discs, um, and I think Discmania, they're in an interesting spot because their options like they have discs that in the in their past that eagle would choose to throw but they obviously are trying to to sell their current stuff um so i guess like that that was like probably their their reasoning is like we you know we they just they just hadn't gotten out those molds yet like the pd2 just came out in these mystery boxes um so that doesn't super shock me i guess i guess that was like their alternative to just being like yeah just throw the old pd2s and at least it has the Dismania logo on it. They're like, no, nah, we're gonna we're gonna stamp these things Cloudbreaker. I think it is a little deceptive, um, but like I said, I think they're in a unique circumstance. I think it'd be a lot worse if a company just straight up, like, if you weren't in Dismania shoes and you weren't like trying to recoup all your molds. I think it'd be a little different. The Flex Four, um, 
the flex four rainmaker thing is interesting because people love stiff putters. Like I would have preferred the flex four, like McPros were basically like the super stiff like that. That's why, like, so I'm curious. Um, also I used to put P line P twos and I guess they were a little more stiff than flex three. So I'm just wondering, like, did they just, they, I think they released the flex three first. So maybe they released them. We're like, ah, we just don't want to get like, we want to work on the softer blends. Like we don't want to, or maybe it's just, it was just harder for them to do the stiffest plastic, but that one's curious to me. It's like, why didn't we just make them? <laughs> yeah. Well, the the interesting thing to me, though, is like if this post hadn't happened and hadn't got traction necessarily, people still would have no clue because it was just it yeah. wasn't it wasn't even the PD2. Like it was just a cloud breaker that they allegedly have a PD2 wing on maybe yeah. um, or something modded. That somehow, which it makes you question, is it even legal if that's the case? Um, that's a good point. <laughs> the <laughs> I think it was more so it was released. Eagle was the only one that had it in this colorway, and we know Discmania and their colors. I'm assuming it was more so that color. However, they had to run the machine to get that color made the Cloudbreaker that much more overstable. Yeah. Um, but it, it makes you question, like, if this was going on for Eagle, and, like, mm-hmm. no one knew this was going on for Eagle, we just assumed he's putting, like, his, his putter say Flex 3, I mean, it could be going on for other people. Maybe not oh, to the sure. extent of, like, we had talked about, you know, stamping Paul's forces as Zeus's. Yeah. But it could be going on to the extent of the company knows how to make a really overstable force. Or, yeah. I don't I'm, I don't know why I keep going Discraft, but a really overstable whatever disc, like Prodigy D1. Right. And But they don't want that to be the stock disc because they don't want it to be too overstable for people to throw. Yeah. And so they're keeping that for the pros and saying, well, it is still a D1 we're just making it way more overstable, but we don't want that to be the stock run because your average player wouldn't be able to throw this, well, so y'all just throw it. Well, the funny thing is in disc golf, too, is like because discs are so inconsistent, even if a company like Discraft, like let's use the forces as an example again, like even if they aren't making particular forces for players, those players still have access to thousands of forces and they can sift through and yeah. find the most overstable ones. So there's always going to be a discrepancy there. I'll also mention that if Dismania is trying to keep this under wraps uh, for like Ganon Burr, uh, they didn't do a great job because he commented, I saw in somebody's post, saying that he's going to be allowed to throw the old stuff. I did see so that as well. So they're not going to be covering that up. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Gannon loves old stuff. So Gannon's bag's probably, if it's anything like his Prodigy bag, I mean, it's just going to be all in of a made Discmania. I, if you're Discmania, I feel like in my head, that would have been like rule numero uno is yeah. you got to make throw our new stuff. Yeah. Um. Although I did see they already released like a Gannon Burr stamped uh, I saw a picture of it on Twitter, like a Ganon Burstant link, I think is what he's going to end up putting with. We haven't even talked that about Ganon's move. We'll talk about that in a second. That makes sense. But, um, cause I was curious, you know, the P2 is so far from a PA3. I was like, well, what is this guy going to end up putting with? But let's yeah. talk about some other off season moves super quick. And then we'll get into the Ganon one. I don't know how many of these y'all covered last week. So I'm going to just read from ones okay. I know I haven't talked about because I don't think we'll stop on any of these. I'm okay. going to just read up to current. There's not that many. Um, Aiden Scott signed an extension with Prodigy. We had Tristan Tanner sign a deal with DGA. Ali Smith signed with ThoughtSpace. Silver Saran, Silva Saarinen and Paul Kranz both signed with MVP. Um, the MVP fans are really excited about both of those signings. Um, and then we saw Hannah Wynn and uh, Chris Clemens sign with Discraft, which yeah. confirms that RV spotting from <laughs> earlier in the year. Yeah, uh, shocker. Chris Clemens at Discraft. So, and then the final one that was just announced, Gannon Burr has officially signed a three-year deal with Discmania. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on this move here? 
Um, I think that my, well, the first thing that pops in my head was, okay, not surprised so far in this off season, things have kind of happened as expected. Um, ever since the lawsuit last year, our, everybody's kind of first thought was disc mania. We're probably the ones trying to get him out of that. We still don't know that for sure, but this definitely heightens that theory. Um, you know, they lost Simon cap space, you know, they lost Eagle now, more cap space, you know, they, and of course they got to pay Kyle. They're trying to build a young roster, but this was like the move they had to make. Basically, it's like you have a chance to replace your young um, player who's going to be able to influence a little bit and, and kind of revive that brand. So they really needed this. I, I'm not surprised. I think it's a good fit. I think he's going to love uh, throwing Dismania. I, I imagine somebody who grew up in the game at the time, D- Gannon did, Discmania is just a really fun company to want to play for. Like I, I, I think a lot of guys that, that played disc golf, even in my era, like would have loved to play on Team Discmania. Like it's just a cool team. Eagle and Simon really made it look like an awesome place to play. And um, my biggest question is definitely what could the money be? Um, three year deal. I was not that doesn't surprise me, but I, I think that the three year deal is really interesting here because um, you wonder whose side is that. Who wanted the three-year deal, right? Is that Dismania saying, we don't want to commit to more than three years? Or is that Gannon saying, I don't want to commit to more than three years? Because if you're, I would I would bet that this, the, the numbers of this deal will not come out unless, you know, I'm sure they'll eventually leak through the cracks. Like, I'll probably hear about it or something and, and not be able to talk about it. But the, uh, I would, I would be surprised if he's making more than like, 150k a year like I, I i think the numbers have come down in, in disc golf recently i'm sure he's getting paid well but i'm sure it's nothing crazy and so it could be Dismania being like we're not going to commit to more than three years because it's financial burden on us or more likely it's probably gannon burr saying i'll i'll do three years because it'll lock me in for a little bit but like i want to make sure i can get my value after this deal like i'm gonna bet on disc golf a little bit yeah it is an interesting I don't know. He's so young. I, I, I wasn't, I never thought the year was like a weird number. I saw, a we've lot just of people, seen a lot of big year deals thrown around lately, but I think the, the big years have been like, I mean, realistically, what's the only really big one is Paul with the 10 year. Other than that, Simon, seen, 10 years. And oh, then, Simon's uh, was 10 too. And then but we saw Ricky four, Ricky was Kona four, four Ricky Christian Kona four. four. So yeah. a lot of fours, a lot of fours and four year deal, I think makes sense. Cause you can get to that like four year, 500,000, four year yeah. million. Like I think uh, Diggerson's was, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, I think KJ might've been four as well. KJ was four. I don't know if we ever heard his details, but yeah, from what I understood, it was a very well paying contract. Um, but with such a young player, like all, a lot of those players are all established. You know what you're getting. You know, like you have the brand already built. You have like all of this with it. Gannon still has a lot of question marks. Like, yeah, all signs point to him being incredible, him being the face mm-hmm. of the sport 10 years from now. Like all signs point to that. But he it could all fall apart just as quickly as it came sure. together. Um, it, nothing is guaranteed in this sport. So the three-year deal, I didn't find that because I think it benefits both sides. I think if you're Gannon, I don't want a super long deal because you're right. What if the sport takes off again and people are signing million-a-year deals left and right and I'm the next one owed that? I don't want to be in the midst of a 10-year deal till I'm 28 and then mm-hmm. the, my second chance passes me by. And if you're Discmania, you don't want to put all your eggs into one basket and lock someone up for a 10-year deal when they're proven on tour, yes, but they're still very young and like there's still a lot of questions future wise just based on time of like 
it's not you're not signing a Paul McBeth who when they walk in they already have four or five world titles and you know you basically just need their name to stay relevant to move plastic you're signing someone who you need their name to continue to get more relevant to move the type of plastic you need them to move so the three-year deal i think made sense for both people i thought it was kind of a a a good year amount um the the question around the money is definitely a big one you know because i would agree i don't think this is a three-year three million dollar deal i don't think this is a three-year one million dollar deal I think the highest I could see this being is a three-year, $500,000 deal, but mm-hmm. I don't even think it's that. Um, I would say this is probably like a three-year, maybe $350,000 deal, somewhere in that range, maybe maybe four hundred, somewhere in there. I think he's getting paid very well, and I think that he'll have chances with you know signature discs and who knows all kinds of other stuff to make a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think from what I've been hearing this offseason, the, the market's come back down to reality. Uh, it was basically like if you didn't move in the last few years, you couldn't move with yeah. the exception of Eagle McMahon. I have I have heard rumor that Eagle McMahon has basically been offered more than Discmania was willing to pay him. And that was why he left to go to wherever he ends up. Um, yeah. Most likely MVP, but people yeah. are still swearing up well, one if, tree and down another. It's in a bus. If so. anybody has cash to splash it, at, at this point, it would be MVP. You would think they've had a very good few years here, yeah. but they have do have a lot of money tied up in that new warehouse that they've been it's building. Um, now, with all of the Gannon announcement, the like tagline they used for announcing Gannon was "The future is here." They kind of use this everywhere, uh, and as I was watching it, it Sad. made me go, "Do they not still have Kyle Klein <laughs> on their roster?" And so I went and looked at it, and Kyle so Klein, man. of course, I send a tweet out and I said, "In all this Gannon chaos, people seem to be forgetting that Discmania still has Kyle Klein. Has to be weird for the reigning U.S. champion to see all this quote unquote yeah. the future is here about another player being added to the team he is already on." Uh, well, it seemed like a lot of people were agreeing with that, but then you had a bunch of people who were like, "I, I don't even understand how they were saying that I was that that was stretching things, and I was looking into it too much." Um, because to me, it's like you got a 21-year-old U.S. champion. Is adding, is he only is he only 21? He might be turning 22. No, we've done this we've done this rodeo before. He's, he's older not, than that. No, <laughs> I promise you, Kyle Klein is young. <laughs> I think he's 23 or maybe 24. No, he's not that old. <laughs> we've, we've we've done, done this. this. We've done we've, this dance. Okay, he was 15 in 2017. He was 19, he was 19 in 2021. So he's turning 22. He's turning 22 this year. Okay, yeah. So da- okay, he is young then. Yeah. So he's, he's like young. 21, yeah. maybe 22. Okay, yeah. Future, Reigning U.S. champion. Future is there, man. That is the future. The future's been there. Yeah. The future has been there. The future didn't just arrive. He's now, not marketable. Some people, some people were saying, "Oh, it's probably like the future's here. Like it includes Kyle Klein." Well, then why not include Kyle Klein in the marketing piece? Like, why not have, why not, like, spin the off in the power boys, of man. three? You know, I like that. They should have uh, jumped on the Crush Boys thing and trademarked it hard uh, yeah, before MVP in. reunites them. <laughs> yeah, they should have subbed in the Gannon to the Crush Boy. But, yeah. no, if it was, like, the future is here and you had Gannon and then it, like, pans out and Kyle's there, too, and it's, like, the two of them standing there, beautiful. Love that. I'm not questioning anything. But you just have Gannon. You just have Gannon yeah. saying there, future is here. When, again, you got a young you have the two youngest current like people with U.S. titles under the belt and Gannon Burr and Kyle Klein, both on yeah. your team. That is your future. I agree with the statement, the future is here. I just found it interesting you used it just to announce Gannon Burr. Because uh, people also were saying that it was funny that this is a similar thing that happened with the lawsuit when it was like Gannon Burr is leaving him without a star player. <laughs> and, it, and it was like Isaac Dude. Robinson and Kevin Jones. It's like it's yeah. a Gannon effect. Dude, yeah, I know. He, he just takes. I mean, it's like um, 
it's like Jason Tatum in the NBA when everybody just said he was 19 for like it seemed like three years. Um, people get people get really hooked on the teenager age in sports. Like if you're because Gannon's 18 now. Um, He's 18 now. Yeah. yeah. So like he will continually be like the young superstar until he's like 21 when he's 20 everybody will still think he's a teenager but when he's 21 everybody will be like okay that's when they pass on <laughs> and uh as is the thing in sports like everybody just gets obsessed like if you have not turned 20 yet and you are already at the top of the game people just they can't get enough of it and for i rightfully so like that's awesome like you've you know you've gotten there a lot quicker than than anybody else like he, he was so yeah. young um but it is really funny kyle klein man chip on his shoulder <laughs> Chip yeah. on shoulder. And someone else commented and was like, Kyle Klein's such a humble guy. I give you, I guarantee 100% this didn't bother him. And I was uh, like, even you if you can't he's a guarantee humble, it 100%. Being a humble guy basically <laughs> just means he's not going to go out and say it bothered him, even if it did bother him. Because yeah. he's going to be like, well, you know, that's probably not how they meant it. He's going to give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> but it can't, it can't feel good to sit no, there. No, yeah. I well, it, it depends on what Kyle's getting paid, right? Because if that's Kyle true. knows, if Kyle knows he's got the bag and like he's kind of like they've kind of like tied him in like okay this is what we're gonna give Gannon like and he like is comfortable with all that then he doesn't care probably because he's like he's like they can say whatever they want I'm still getting paid more than Gannon um because like if I mean Gannon uh, Gannon is the better player but yeah Kyle did just win just win a USDGC um he almost won two USDGCs so like that's a thing but uh yeah I I don't know I don't know what I I think Kyle did Kyle resign kind of during the boom I feel like he did. I feel like he took like a an ex, a pretty large extension like during the boom, and in that case, that. he might be getting paid pretty well. Let's see. Uh, but also, they might have been bleeding money at that point. Kyle Klein. Let's find him on this list. Because I, I remember, like, I remember everybody kind of being like, "Did he resign?" And we had he to, like, signed a four year deal in twenty twenty three. So kind of, kind of at the end. Yeah. Uh, I don't. There obviously, I don't think there was much. Um, but they did that in the midst of losing Simon, so like they may have allocated those open. Yeah, funds they they did just get a seven figure buyout from yeah Simon. So, so hopefully Kyle's getting paid. Yeah, I would I would hope so because I think at that time Kyle and Eagle were kind of like okay these are our guys. Remember they even like yeah. started putting Kyle into the Crush Boy stuff for a little bit there. They did. They um, did. So. I think they definitely, and they probably internally still view Kyle as the guy. I think it was a very honest mistake where they just got excited. We're signing an 18-year-old superstar, and it feels like, hey, the old guard's out. Eagle and Simon are out. The future's here. The future's coming in. We got Gannon coming. I think that was the the thought process behind it. It's just when that's your marketing and you just have Gannon with the future's here, and it's like Kyle like sitting on the bench, kicking his feet like, hey, guys. You Over know, here. if we've learned anything, if we have learned anything about disc golf free agency, it is that you need to make your money on that player in the first year. Yeah. Because that is when, like, Kyle, Klein, Kyle Klein's an awesome disc golfer, but, like, his name on a Discmania disc just blends in, right? Gannon Burr's name on a Discmania disc right now, and for the next few months especially, is going to pop. Pop, Be- yeah. So like you got to sell them now, and and this is the time, and it's it's the same thing with everybody. Like eventually Simon's name. Now Simon's a bit of an anomaly, but eventually his name will become more synonymous with MVP. But when they at the very beginning, that was like we were looking at an alien creature seeing his name on on gyro, like it pops. So that is that is the name of the game. So you kind of have to put your chips in when you sign a new player and be like, all right, we're gonna just we're gonna go all in on this guy, make all of our money, and some guys like Kyle Klein they don't arrive at their company via a huge signing. So it just doesn't happen that as much that way. 
It um, is a it's a weird part of our sport because um, it's it's true in most like. I think it's true in most other sports as well. It's just the nature of our sport where we're not a team sport, but we treat off-season movement like a team sport in a lot yeah. of ways. And that's directly tied to the money in the sport um, mm-hmm. where you're worth so much more if you move. It's true. Like if you if you stay at a company long enough to be synonymous and then you move, you're worth probably two or three X. Because yeah. like Gan and Burr staying at Prodigy – would have moved probably half as much plastic as going to Discmania, and so he is worth so much more. The same thing with Eagle McMahon going to MVP, Simon. When Paul went from Innova to Discraft, I mean, it broke everything. Um, like, you're worth so much more when you move. And, like, in other sports, like Tiger Woods leaving Nike, obviously, I think he's starting his own TW brand, if I read that right. Um, like, that's obviously going to be huge. It's going to be very big. But, like, that's the closest thing we have is like when when players move like a apparel sponsor but it doesn't change still the same because it's not like if i'm a tiger woods fan yeah i might slowly start to buy pieces of tiger woods clothes but it's not like i'm no longer wearing any nike whereas in disc golf like when paul went from innova to discraft people were changing their entire like bag selling their bags everything. yeah yeah they were changing everything they threw over and it would be like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that happens in golf. Like, if Tiger switched from one club manufacturer to another, if ev- but that's so expensive. It's, I just don't yeah, think it's happening. it's the accessibility of disc golf that allows you to be like, oh, we're switching bags this year. Yeah, we're switching bags. I'll go buy six discs, and by the end of the season, my whole bag will be this new manufacturer. Like, yeah, yeah you, you just can't do it in other sports a lot of times. Because like, if if you have LeBron James switch from Miami to the Lakers, you just got to buy a new jersey if you're right. going to be a LeBron fan. Yeah, like jersey switches, sales is one of the better examples because, yeah. like, when a player, if a player changes teams, that's going to create a similar pop. To be like, it's like, oh, seeing that James number six on the back of a Lakers jersey, that's interesting. Like, that's new. But like the the tough part is, it would be like if the NBA, the only way the NBA made money was off of those jersey sales, and like that yeah. was what they valued LeBron James's contract on was how many jerseys he moves. That's kind of where disc golf's at was, like, mm-hmm. players are valued on how many discs they move, signature discs. Yeah. Whereas, like, other sports, obviously, it's butts and seats is what people care about. And right. so it's like, oh, if we get LeBron here, who cares how many jerseys he moves or doesn't move? Every, like, people are going to come to these games. And yeah. when Lakers come in town, they're you know what I mean? So it, it, disc golf's just in a weird spot where I don't really like the idea that, like, loyalty is not rewarded. But from a company standpoint, like loyalty almost can't be rewarded. Just like self, this is the perfect analogy to cell phone deals, man. <laughs> this is why I'm switching from AT and T back to the Verizon to T Mobile every other year. <laughs> They're getting better with it, but it's it's the same thing. It's like there's no benefit to staying. If I were if I were Gannon Burr right now, I think there's like two paths you can take in the disc golf world right now. It let's if you start at age 18, and let's say you have a 15 year career in your prime where you're successful there are two paths number one path switch every three years five times that's one path number two path would be like stay in the same place for like seven years then make one big switch and like get a huge retirement deal that like those are the paths but like they both involve like if you stay in the same spot your whole career there's a good chance you're not going to make the money necessary unless you land unless you just happen to be like beloved and like their flagship guy like maybe Calvin Heimberg can be that guy for Innova um but like if the 
the money in disc golf, you never know where it's going to be at the time your contract ends. And yeah. there could just be that one company, like a Discraft willing to offer Paul $10 million, or an MVP willing to offer Simon a, a ton of money as well. Like that, sometimes like the opportunities just arise and um, it makes things really interesting. Yeah, I think, I think the ideal path as a player would be sign a like come up deal like sign a deal where i'm just getting onto the scene okay this is a good enough deal i'm gonna stay with this company for a little bit get your first few wins under your belt like ganon at prodigy okay now i'm gonna move on to Discmania. so boom i'm like i'm synonymous with one brand i'm moving to another brand and then ganon should stay at Discmania until he's like 28 so i think he stays at Discmania for like 10 years <laughs> long enough that he's synonymous a right long time. he's everyone knows he's, he everyone's forgotten he was with prodigy it's like yeah. when you if you say big germ was with discraft people are like what the frick same thing yeah. with eric McCabe even if you say even if you say big germ with prodigy you make it's yeah. been a long you time make people be like what uh that's what you need to happen and then you move one more time and you sign your retirement deal i think that's how you milk this cow for all it's worth is you become <laughs> synonymous with two or three brands and that's so that's your that's how you do it i'm gonna be interested to see um like when going back to the Kyle and, and Gannon thing, I'll just be interested to see like they've they've given Kyle a good bit of like signature discs and like one thing that Dismania does a lot with all their pros is they'll chuck them signature discs, it seems. Yeah. Um I'm gonna be curious to see what they do for Gannon. Like, do they go as far as giving him a, a disc? Like like this is a Gannon mold. Um, or do they just kind of go the same route? Um, do they give him the PD two? You know, we haven't really say? seen they gave Paul the P2 back in the day. They had Paul's name on the P2. Did they have Avery's name on something? Mm. But we we didn't ever really see, know. like, Simon and Eagle have a, a true signature mold, yeah. right? Well, they kind of just switched away from that. I think I think they just made a, uh, a brand change where they were like, hey, instead of just putting a signature on these discs, let's just run these, like, characterized discs and and to be fair and they're usually like special blends as and well like 45 dollars and a billion oh man i'll never forget college nationals 2017 can't wait to buy a crescent falcon man i'm so excited about this md4 walk up there those things were those things were like 35 beans a piece i was like i'm not buying a single one of these <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just it's a it's an interesting one where that seems to be a very easy thing that people like players want other companies like all do you know, yeah. And Discmania, I don't think it ever really has. Like I said, they they had Paul's name on the yeah. P two, and that's the only one I remember was the S line P two and Paul, and that yeah. was about it. It's just not. They just didn't want. They just didn't want to go that way. I guess they didn't want to tie in just royalties that directly. Which yeah, it's interesting. I think I I, I I like the idea of it though because from a collector standpoint, like I have. I don't have any Avery Destroyers in my collection, unfortunately. I used to, but threw, threw it I've got Sandusky. I've got some Macbeth Destroyers, then I got some Ricky Destroyers, and then I have some Blank Destroyers, and it's like, y even though I know they're all the same mold, you know they fly different because they're from years apart, and so it like right. it gives you something. It's an easy way of separating the runs. Like yeah. you're like, no, oh, this is fun. a Simon PD two from yeah. back when he was with Discmania versus this is an Eagle one, and now I have a Ganon PD two. Like I don't I know, I kind of like it from that aspect. I think so. <laughs> This is, in, this is a little bit more out there, but like um, kind of along the lines of separating the years or the runs, because like I think that is cool that you can identify things. So Titleist, they obviously make the Pro V1, like the number one golf ball in golf, and they change their stamping every year, 
not the Titleist logo. Um, usually what they change is the like lineup line design on the side of the ball that you can use. And it's very subtle, like super, super subtle, but it's just enough that you could say, you could look back and say, I know what year this golf ball is from. I would love if disc golf manufacturers would invest, like stamps are not expensive. Um, I would love to them to do like tiny little changes year to year. Maybe they just change the font slightly, or maybe they just change one little thing. But if, if a company and a lot of disc stamps as they are, aren't really set up for this because the logos are just so intertwined with each other. But I think it'd be cool if a disc company set up their stock stamp in a way or maybe they just change their stock stamp every year, but just did it just subtly, just enough that we could say, ah, that must be the 2012 run. Because I just think it's fun to be able to identify them, whereas right now, you could have a Z buzz across a decade and not have a clue what year it's from. Like, you just wouldn't know. There, Disc Golf has a lot of mystery around, like, where discs were made, when they came from, and I think it'd be cool to have more identifiers. Well, that's like the, uh, there was so much, the old PDs, like people will talk about like, oh, there's a ninth run PD or eighth run PD. Yeah. And like the only way people know that is by looking at like the plastic or yeah. the way uh, the way the penmanship is on the bottom. Or Yeah. It, it would be very nice. Like, And I think Discmania's stamps, their new ones I don't think had it, but their old ones had that ring. You know what I mean? That's such an easy thing to change. Like, add change, a notch to the ring or something. Yeah, like there, add a yo. notch to it. Change, yeah. the, change the width of it. Change right. like maybe one year it's like a little more textured. The next yeah. year it's not like – I don't know. I, I always liked like um, Millennium, I think, always has the the run on it somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I know, um, I think it's Mint Discs that puts the run of their discs, like the production date on there. Yeah. I love that. I love mm -hmm. being able to know the production That's, date. Because yeah, then cool. if you have a run that you know that you know that you know this is the run I love, you can go find it so easily. You can be like, oh, I needed Omega 10.2 or whatever. Yeah. And it's like so easy to find. But. All right, don't know how we got to that. Um, before we get into MVP's cryptic post answer that they put out literally, I believe, this morning or last, late last night, uh, it was last night, we're going to talk through, uh, I want to tell you about this month's subscription box really quick. I just got super blurry. I don't know why my camera does that, but I'm going to talk through this month's subscription box really quick. If you're a foundation fan, this is a month that you want to be a part of. The subscription box, if you haven't heard of it, is $45, gets you three premium discs plus a swag item each and every month. In this month, people were begging us for this disc. People were begging us for, realistically, this box. Uh, it's the Connor box. So this is celebrating his Break 86 accomplishment, one of the greatest series of all time on our YouTube channel. Um, absolute just thriller time and time and time again. And he finally did it. Now that it's been out for a little bit, no more spoilers, we have the Break 86 box. So what this comes with is there's a, a Break 86 stamp passion, which if you watch that video, you'd know how much he threw that passion. Uh, Break 86 stamp passion. We have a Connor Face Shaman. Gate we actually worked with Gateway to create the exact plastic and color and everything of the Shaman in his bag, his absolute favorite disc, and then we stamped his face on it. Um, so that's electric. And then a heck yeah stamped KC Pro Rock, flat top KC Pro Rock is in this box, plus a swag item. Again, that's for $45. And like I said, if you're a foundation fan, obviously that's going to sound super exciting for you. And next month is this company's five-year anniversary, which means you know the subscription box next month is about to go hard in the paint. So back-to-back -back bangers of boxes. Um, we have just a few spots left for this month. If you want to join, you head to foundationdisc.com. Find it right there on the homepage. And like I said, $45, three premium discs, plus a swag item to your door each and every month. So... MVP on Instagram about five days ago started posting 
this post tile by tile. And everyone originally thought, this is it. This is the Eagle announcement coming. <laughs> by like row two, it was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So then there was some speculation about the 10-year Envy because this is the year that it's been 10 years since the Envy came out. Speculation on other stuff. Um, MVP's final post that went up last night just says, new disc reveal, 1-16-24, 10 a.m. Eastern time. So tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Um, and the most convincing explanation I've seen is that this is for the Pixel, which we know is coming. We know is coming very soon. Um, would make sense that this is for the Pixel. And someone took this and kind of like overlaid it onto the stock time-lapse stamp or like that time-lapse that like went out like that. Oh. And it looks very similar, like it could fit that. Like this is just a slow re- revelation of the Pixel stamp. Um, hmm. They haven't gotten quite the response. They're getting a lot of people talking about it, which is exactly what you want sure. if you're MVP. Uh, but they have gotten a little bit of like pushback or confusion because, again, everyone's expecting them to announce Eagle McMahon, and yeah. then they have they dedicate five days worth of posts <laughs> to this tier. That's just announcing a disc that all of us know is coming, assuming it's the Pixel. They could do yeah. a whole spin on us and this be an Eagle McMahon disc and it's a one-two sure punch. It is. I sure but hope I don't it think is. so. I think it's a Pixel, yeah. um, which is something that like it should be a really exciting thing. It is. You know, everyone's been waiting for this disc, Simon's new putter. Uh, it's just the timing-wise, you know, the, the most unfortunate possibility for MVP is that they didn't sign Eagle. Yeah. And like they don't have a big announcement, and their only big announcement coming is this pixel, right? And then Eagle is going to Innova or something, and everyone just assumes he's going to MVP, and MVP's like, no, we just we're just we just have this disc coming out, guys. Like that's it. That's about worst case scenario for MVP. Yeah, it it is. Um, it's really the timing is everything, and and also it just feels a little. Enough. If if it's, we'll run through the scenarios. If it's um. If it's Eagle somehow and they're pulling a 180 on us, then and fine, good job, like well done, good marketing. You'll get people like interested. Good job. I don't think it is. Um, if it's the 10 year envy, man, that's like either the pixel or a 10 year envy. That is an extreme amount of posting and suspense for for a disc. Well, they also like, they deleted their whole Instagram <laughs> post for it. Uh, yeah, they archived them. Yeah, but yeah, that's a lot of effort. Um, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it's yeah, it's a, it's a ton of effort for. Um, like you only you only get to pull these these uh these crazy marketing things so many times before we're like if you do this and you announce a ten year anniversary envy everybody's gonna be like well the next time you do it we're not gonna pay as much attention yeah <laughs> um, a lot of people were commenting on when they posted the final tile like seriously but like because my thing is like if it's the pixel which I think is the most likely thing that it probably is then like just have Simon do a hype video for it it's Throw gonna it in a bunch. it's gonna sell just great everybody's gonna pay attention to that like. It, it'd be one thing if we didn't know about the existence of the pixel and like what it was going to be. And then you were teasing it like this, but like we do. So like, that's why it's weird. It's like, you're going to, you can't tease something we know is coming and expect us to get that excited about it when it's a disc. If it was Eagle, that'd be another, another thing entirely. Do you think the PDJ approval process being public is bad for the sport because of moments like this? Yeah. Yeah, I think the I think the public PDGA approval process. Uh, well, I think it is weird. I think there's probably an easy way to get around it. Well, I guess not. I guess you have to get it approved before you're going to go forward with manufacturing, or else you could waste a lot of resources. Yeah, you could really screw yourself over. I think what probably should happen 
is they should be able to get it approved and set a like to the public date. There should be like a, a pre-approval. Like this is the approval that allows you to manufacture to move forward. And then maybe like double check approval, but like, it's just like a finalized. Now it's going public. You can sell this disc. Like there should probably be two stages of that. Cause yeah, it is pretty silly that the PDGA of all people, but we all know they love the power. So they're never giving that up. Yeah. I was gonna say, cause like that's the, that's realistically the main reason we knew the pixel was coming. Yeah. Like Simon eventually was throwing it and talking. Well, they about have it. to. They have to get ahead of it. They, but like, they know it's going to get out. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Is like you, you Simon wouldn't have had to talk about it because like the, as soon as it gets PDG approved, the public knows, and yeah. then they can put two and two together. Like, oh, Pixel, this is probably a new and then, Simon. Disc. And then if you keep in the file name too, like Discraft did, it gets even more fun. That's very funny. <laughs> yes, Discraft with the beaded Luna. <laughs> beaded Luna. Um, but like the same thing. It's like that could have been a very cool like hype build up moment. For Paul to have a new putter drop, you know, a beaded Luna. That what is he calling it? Kratos? Is that what Kratos, it's called? Yeah. That could have been a very big, like, hype moment because no hilarious. one knew it was coming. But now we all do. And now it's just like now it puts pressure on a discraft because we're all like, hey, when are you gonna release that thing? We saw you got it approved. Yeah. Like, when, when's it coming? When's it coming out? And they're like getting it approved, and then they have to like do all the production and get all the marketing together. And it might be I mean, MVP's got stuff approved years ago that we haven't seen. And True. so it's like I, I don't know. This was the one where I, the first time I really thought of it, I was like, do we really want the PDJ approval? Pro like, as a fan, absolutely, because you get to find out about stuff way before you're supposed to. But, like, as a company, that's got to be so demoralizing for your yeah. whole fan base to know, like, a disc exists, Pretty know silly. all of – they can see pictures and dimensions to basically know exactly how it's going to fly, well, too, and, like, everything before it ever even you – you ever get the chance to market it. The PDJ approval process is dumb to begin with because – what you are, A, the requirements are super loose. I mean, look at some of the discs that get P, uh, get PDGA approved. And B, like, it's not that, like, I just feel like it's so silly that these manufacturers have to get permission from the PDGA of all people. Like, this rule never even gets enforced on the course. Um, you hardly ever see a disc that actually, to an advantage, violates PDGA conformities. Um it's it's ridiculous that they have to get permission from this company and then have it made public for they are allowed to to create it. There should just be standards like okay, these are the rules, and then as long as you're meeting the rules, you can make your disc. Like, and then if people yeah. want to get called on it during a tournament, that's that's on you. But like, the disc craft should just know, and they do know. Like, okay, the disc can be this wide, this that, and then they should just be able to do it. Like the PDG, it's it's stupid. It's it is. Yeah, well, then I think the PDJ should just go into these factories and just do random checks yeah. throughout the year of just, like, grab 10 stock of, like, like grab whatever's coming off the production line, check the stiffness, check the all of that stuff, and we're, just, like, all right, we're good to go. Yeah, if you do random checks at the factories and you do random checks at – listen, there's a reason that random drug testing exists. It's not because they think they're just going to – well, first of all, it's not random. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's for sure. But it's not – the idea isn't – we're going to catch everybody. The idea is we're going to instill a fear into these players that they could get randomly checked. So yeah. that's what you do is you do a few random checks at manufacturers or just do random checks at tournaments. Hey, can we look at your bag? We're going to check your disc, make sure they conform to PDGA rules. Now every player realizes I could get checked. I'm going to pay attention now. I'm going to make sure all my discs are marked <sighs> and that they are conforming to PDGA. Like that's all it would take is a couple checks uh, during the season for players to be like, that's on my radar. Yeah. And problem solved. 
fully agree. Um, but it'll be interesting to find out tomorrow. Also, uh, as if it's not obvious, Eagle hasn't announced as of the recording of this podcast. If he announces within time, we'll cut something in. Yeah, we're going to time travel. Um, and so there might just be a random cut at some point that just throws in an Eagle McMahon announcement. Uh, but if not, then just stay tuned to our Griplock channel, and as soon as an announcement happens, we'll get a reaction video up so that you know. Yeah, better get my notifications. Our on initial, for MVP. our initial thoughts. Um, most yeah. likely, I think he's going to MVP, but Innova seems to be the other one that people are throwing around out there. I would be very surprised if it wasn't MVP. Um, final thing before we get into Trevor's trivia, we have this Disc Golf Pro Tour uh, announcement on their registration schedule. Um, which is basically their uh, basically once the des- designated tour card registration period ends, the Pro Tour will initiate a standard registration process for all events based on PDGA rating tiers. So this is kind of how they're still filling events, it seems. So you'll have the tour card people be able to register, it seems. Um, they also just published down below, I'll read in a second, the 2025 tour card qualification. So basically, tour card people will register. And then it'll be like a tiered registration. Yeah. Um, so not a huge storyline, but basically for 2024, uh, tier one is 1010 and up for MPO, 930 and up for FPO, which this is the first time I feel like I've seen, I could just be forgetting, but I've seen above a thousand for that top tier, which, you know, I think it ten, was, I think before it was just thousand. Yeah. I think 1010 yeah. is the new thousand. I think we're, we might have to make some merch Inflation. out of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then tier two is 990 and up. And FPO's 900 and up. Tier 3's 970 and up. FPO's 870. Tier 4's 935 and up. FPO's yeah. 825. So the biggest question, well, the biggest question with the tiers is not what are the tiers, but it is how many players exist at each tier because that's going to determine like how many how many tour card holders are there, and then how many people are there above 1010. Because even with these this tiered system, it might never make it to tier two. Yeah, at certain it might events. not. And Which, like that, that could I be think the, that's the goal, to be honest yeah, with you. For the, sure. The, for the sure. goal is obviously not really get much more than like five players past tier two. Yeah, no, I think I think the goal would be all our tour card players sign up and then we've got a handful of people from tier one. Um, and then that's that. Like that makes yeah. sense to me. because uh, that's that would be a very strong field if like yeah. everyone's a tour card player or is basically a thousand rated and up. That would be a very yeah, strong field. Be great. Um, that is going to be very regional. You know, when when the tour goes to some areas, that will be true. When the tour goes to other areas, you're going to have 935 rated players getting in, uh, and that's just the the nature of the sport. I think that the the way the pro tour is currently doing it is about the best that you can do. Those West Coast events, man. They're yeah, gonna be the scary. West Coast, <laughs> the West Coast, and when players go to Europe, are the two where who knows yeah. what's going to end up happening. Uh, the 2025 tour card qualification information is now available. The initial details. Um, include this so first will be 2024 disc golf pro tour world standings which they now have world standings which include the europe standings they also have europe standings i believe Mm -hmm. um tour cards will be awarded based on the pro tour point standings now referred to as dgpt world standings 2024 europe points will be number two so top performers in the standalone europe tour will uh, also receive 2025 tour cards individual event performances as done in the past top performers at 2024 events will be awarded 2025 tour cards Limited exemptions, which is a select number of exemptions, will be granted at the end of the 2024 season. Applications will open at the end of the season, so people will be able to apply for some type of exemption, probably like injury, stuff like that. Um, if you had something that stopped you from getting qualified in one, two, or three. 
And then number five, 2024 DGPT Qualifying Series, the Q Series. This is a new event series separate from the regular tour that will offer 2025 tour cards to top performers. The Q Series schedule and farther details will um, be released prior to the start of the season. We so got to try to get into a Q Series event. From the that's Q the... Series, but that's their their next thing. So that's kind of how people earn tour cards and then also the little tiered registration. So we're getting very close to the start of the season. We're about a, a month out or is so. It? If there's a Q series event near us, I mean, we might have to play a match and then and loser caddies for the other one at the Q, at the Q. Hey, I'm in. I think that's <laughs> I think we're, we're trying to find an A tier. We can just find. We a got Q one, series. but if there's a Q series, that's that's taking that's, that's taking priority. The Q series is probably an A tier. Are they going to film the Q series? Surely, dude. Some, someone will. <laughs> Get us on a feature. Get card. us on a feature card to the Q series <laughs> event, man. <laughs> we know. We'll, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. If we're, we'll film the Q-Series event. <laughs> so funny. That's oh, hilarious. my goodness. All right. Let's throw it over to fan favorite segment, Trevor's Trivia. What do you All got right. today? Here's the thing. It's been the off season for so long. I don't even remember anything about the rules of disc golf, who disc golfers are anymore. I, 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 it's, we got like a month left, and I'm, I'm dying for some Frisbee. Frisbee. Um, so we're gonna do like some we're gonna do a little refresher and see how much you recall from okay. from the current state of disc golf, oh and, um, right now and just like where we kind of left things off. Okay. So what I have let here, me just before we get into this game, I had to go to Kyle Klein's PDGA to confirm that he was the reigning U.S. champion before I sent that tweet. No, I you did it, not. I thought it was true, and I was like, I can't send this tweet and that not oh, be Andrew, true. We so were I had there. to go. I know we were there. We were there. It was only a few months ago. Well, that was more like I knew it was true. I just had to confirm it because I was like, he's, I he's can't, had a lot of sickness. A lot of I sickness. I can't send this tweet and he not be the, the true. Yeah, US you're right. right. Sometimes you gotta just double check because you can't bear, be looking so ridiculous. Just, just so you know, my my brain state going. Oh to this boy. Game. Um, yeah, it could be so tough. This, this is how this game's gonna work. So I've got the controversial U disc MPO disc golf world rankings here. Love it. Okay. Um, in front of me, because I didn't. I don't remember like where people stand either. Um, and well, I'm going to give you five players and your goal is to guess as close to their ranking as possible. Okay. The margin of error that you are trying to stay under will give you a margin of five per player. So, so 25, 25. you're trying to st- 25, you win 26, you lose. Got it. Okay. We Ooh. are going to start. We're going to start easy, probably get more difficult as we go. Okay. We're going to start. With Ricky Wysocki. Ricky Wysocki, I believe, was, um, I think Eagle was one, Calvin was two in the U-Disc. I'm going to put Ricky at four. Ricky Wysocki is five. Okay, I'm okay with that. Um, Obviously, I will not read off the other ones. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, But yeah, he's in the five slot. Okay, so only one pointer on the first one, not bad. Number two, we're going to go to Bradley Williams. But he had a pretty solid season. I'm um, 15. He is 10th. Okay. Sixth okay. or two. I'm okay with that. So right on your limit right now. Um, all right. We're going to keep kicking it up a notch. Um, next, we are going to go with Ezra Robinson. He had a sneaky good finish to his season, I believe. Give me 20th. Wow. He's at 19th. All right, all right. All right, these last two are going to be difficult. Okay. we gotta, we got to give you a challenge. Next, we are going to go with Emerson Keith. That is tough. <laughs> that is tough. He had a win he at did. back in the day. 
He did a while ago. Game. Did not have that great of a season post win. Give me thirty fifth. Forty first. Okay, really, I'm okay. It's with really that. solid. Yeah, you're you're I'm locked okay in. With that. Okay, last. So how many am I at right now? That's thirteen. I think so far. Yeah, you're pretty comfy right now. So I I have to get within twelve on this one. Yeah. Oh, that could be last. Tough. We are going with Drew Gibson. He didn't play, but the U disc loves when people don't play. <laughs> U disc loves when people don't play. Twenty seventh. Thirty eighth. Oh, by one. <laughs> yeah. I did it by one. <laughs> wow, that was close. Oh. Wow. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah, the, the Drew Gibson, you just loves when people don't play. I know. They don't, I, they don't bump people down. He's the, so he's I didn't know what was going to happen with that. He could have been in the top 10 for all I knew. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty good. All right, Hunter's got a grasp. He hasn't completely lost, I haven't, his, I haven't lost, lost touch it. on the season. I haven't lost touch. Who is the one through four? Um, Eagle, it's – um. let me just double Isaac? check this again. Eagle, so you have Simon Calvin. and Paul um, and Eagle and Gannon or Kyle. Kyle, I think. Let me check. Simon but, and Paul? But, yeah, Paul sits in the three spot right Paul now. Paul McBeth? Yeah, Paul McBeth, not Paul Omen. Uh, I guess because he didn't, he didn't play the second half of the season. So he where got that you, win. Where – where why why can I not find the rankings? He got that happened? win and then disappeared. So I guess, again, you just gloves and people don't play. Why? Oh, okay, there's UDisc Live. Why is UDisc Live not its own app? I don't or know. at least a bigger part? Okay, UDisc Rant. I love UDisc. I'm, I'm not trying to be that guy. But number one, if you're going to double our price to $30 for the year, that's already crazy, um, then at least give us a better UDisc Live interface for the phone. Okay, it's hard to do a lot of the stat finding and stuff like that on the phone. It's not a perfect system. It's basically a web browser that you're opening up. Um, so I want a native UDisc Live app, or even better, just make it in flow with the app better. And uh, I want, and I want a uh, social aspect to UDisc. I want it to be like Strava. I, I already asked like the guy. Strava. I made the guy who made UDisc. He said he's never going to do it. That well, but that would be he's so punk. great because like Strava, you post and then like he's not a punk. He's imagine, nice <laughs> imagine you finish your round and then your buddies can all yeah. like comment on your round and like I know. give you kudos. Like that'd be electric. It would be electric. I want that. You know um, what? You disc. You you've been warned. I might do it. Oh, it's been Eagle Calvin. It's Eagle Calvin Paul Simon Ricky, then Kyle Gannon after that, then Isaac after that. Okay. Uh, I wanted to give kudos to the PDGA on this next one because oh, let's go, huh? They made they made this announcement that realistically they didn't need to make. Um, okay. But they did it in the name of full transparency because they could tell like, hey. Let's get ahead of it for once and not let people like show people full transparency why we made the decision we made. They didn't put their financials out? No, no, no. This ah. is about uh, they had to make an event insurance change. And so they wrote up this whole article basically on why they ended up going with Ledgestone insurance, which uh, obviously people would say conflict of interest with uh, Nate yeah, Heinold, okay. all of that stuff. Okay, guys. Um, and so they. they <laughs> why we went up. Why did we go uh, with Ledgestone insurance? Because Nate Heinold is an insurance salesman, and he works very close with us, and he you sold see, us insurance. There's a few key points here that I wanted to bring they up. They better be really good. I mean, are. I don't care, to be clear. Because, again, as a tournament director, it seems like, on my end, nothing's going to change. So, realistically, did they even need to do this? No. But I wanted to give kudos to the PDJ. They did. They did this whole write-up on basically what was happening. Um, so in late end of this last year, PJ received word that their 
event insurance wasn't going to renew. So they began looking for other options. Um, <laughs> basically, the only policy they found th- not with Heinold was $470,000 uh, through this non-admitted carrier. I don't know what that means. Um, and less access to technology than they previously had and a minus rated carrier, which would have been a fine carrier. So they brought that to Heinold because he's on the PDJ staff on the board of director. And he was like, we like, I'm mean, honest with you, we can get this way better. And so they yeah, went through he Heinold $205,000. So they saved PDJ saved 200 hey. some thousand dollars going through, got better access technology, all of this stuff. And, um, people were basically saying, Hey, they wanted to address a conflict of interest in this situation would have personal interest to gain. So, Nate stood to receive a commission in excess of $15,000 for brokering this deal. Makes sense. He's an insurance agent. So to ensure the complete absence of any appearance of improper whatever, uh, Nate declined the commission so that he would solely act as a volunteer board member to okay. basically All right. talk to the, talk to PDJ through this and not as an insurance agent who's standing to make fifteen grand. Um, so like I said... He declined the commission, and we gave him a ten grand bonus for saving us two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> like, nothing, yeah, right, bro. Nothing like that's in there. I nothing don't like believe. That's in there. Yeah, I bet it's not. I don't believe this for a second. It says Listen, he, he acted solely as a volunteer board member. I'm trying to give PDGA kudos because oh, they wrote dude. again. They wrote up this whole article. They didn't yeah, have to write this. It's like when you hit your brother and you run to your mom to be like, "Hey, by the way, like I did. Like you're just getting ahead of it." But I'm I don't saying, believe for one millisecond and listen i'm not like i've never been a guy who like cares about the conflict of interest thing that much like whatever like he's in a position he's leveraging that position it's a win-win like i don't think the pdj is like getting like robbed like with this insurance policy so like i'm not mad about it i just think it's funny because it's like imagine the smile that crossed nate heinold's face when it comes across his desk that the pdj is shopping for a uh, six-figure insurance policy. Like, I mean, it's like the greatest he day of his life. Down, he turned down his commission. Yeah, and he saved the company that he's helping run two hundred grand. I bet, I bet there's something in it for him. If you if nothing else, that. some you votes, have no man. No way to know that. If nothing in it, some some votes, man. They're corrupt. You don't I'm know. You, right now, you don't know he's any a of genius. what you're saying. Nate you Heinold, he's a genius. Okay, well, Trevor doesn't isn't on the same page as me. I thought this was a good step towards transparency for the pdga because typically stuff like this would happen and then we would find out via because imagine the flip side of the coin where the how would PDGA, we have found out I thought, I, i'm actually someone curious. would have found out i don't know Whistleblower. reddit post tweet someone ricky's caddy ricky's caddy someone would have leaked it and it would have got <laughs> out there and then you would have been right then You're the right. pdga would have been saying no no it's a good thing we saved all this we've heard that before right instead by explaining ahead of time like hey Here's all the details. We were in a tough spot. We couldn't get coverage again. Our insurance that we got quoted was way higher than we wanted to pay, way higher than we used to pay. We went to the board of directors. Nate's on the board. He has a ton of insurance experience. He was able to find us a deal that saved us $265,000 with the same coverage we were getting before. And not only that, he declined to accept his commission to ensure that there was no conflict of interest. Here's all the details. Do with it what you want. Um, I think well, that's how this and, organization should be operating. I like right. that. And also, it's like the whole, like, it's not a conflict of interest. Well, it's like Nate Heinold still works for Ledgestone, 
Therefore, if he makes a huge sale on behalf of Ledgestone, regardless of commission, that helps his positioning within Ledgestone Insurance. Like, there's well, still does he still work with? Le- I I was under the he made a he, sale and he was going to get commission off think, of. I don't think he still does insurance sales on a day to day basis. I don't I think, think he does day to day either. But I'm just saying he still like a, can make commissions, so he's still employed. Yeah, yeah. So I, listen, and like I said, I'm not really that mad about. Like, I think, I think that like if Nate Heinold is a resource in that company then yes, you probably could get a, a better deal with somebody that you know and that cares about the organization versus just somebody who's an insurance company. So, like, whatever. All I'm saying is, like, let's not try to act like we're not all scratching each other's backs. That's what that's what we do in this world. Um, I do think, of course, yes, it would have been a lot more. There would have been, like, some actual outrage if uh, if this hadn't come out until like later down the line people definitely would have been like what the heck so yeah i think it's probably a smart play on their behalf um and to be fair as a pdga article so if it weren't for this podcast or other podcasts and media um people wouldn't even know about it probably yeah so um yeah i i i don't really have a problem with it i just think it's it is really funny to me that they were like really trying to to get this one sealed up and probably nate heinold himself was probably the one who's like guys he's like He's like, I can't believe this amazing deal has fallen into my lap, but like, we need to make sure this doesn't make me look bad again. Like, like, cause like people got on his back about the world's thing. And like, I never had took issue with that either. There was just not enough world's bids. Like that's yeah. what that came down to. And I, I believe that this one, it's just one of those things that if, if you are in the organization, it's probably not that deep, but it just looks hilarious. Um, and so, yeah, he's probably like, guys, like we've got to like get ahead of this one because I can't have this uh, this coming back at me again. I don't know. That's funny. That is really funny. <laughs> uh, the other thing the PDGA announced this past week was you had the executive director, Joe Shargaloff, uh, retiring wow. at the end of 2023. I'd met I've Joe never heard that times. name before. <laughs> um, he was the executive director for a long time. I think it was... I want to oh. say Worlds 2018 was the first time I met him is when it was at replacing? IDGC, um, I think is when I met. I think that was when he first started. He replaced, I believe, Brian Graham back then. Um, and he, historian. he retired at the end of this year, and um, they began to seek candidates. And the new, the next chapter, uh, the new executive director of the PDGA is Doug Bierkus, a Love name it. that you might Love it remember or know if you've been in the disc golf world for a while he's been with dynamic discs for a while page shoes father page bierkus um and yeah he is now the executive director of the pdga i like doug so um yeah. i think that's a good move i want to i think we need to keep tabs who's the guy that just retired shargaloff joe shargaloff. How, how old's how old's joe he w- was already say? a retired military man oh, okay um, so he's got military pension going on I say uh, we need to. We need. To, I was say we need to keep not, tabs. He's not super old. I'll say that. He's I was not. just gonna say. I was gonna say before. I was like, we need to keep tabs on this Joe guy. Is he playing golf in Florida? Like, what's that four hundred one k at PDGA doing? Did did Heinel negotiate that too? I want I want to know. But if he's got military pension too, and you know what, he served a country, so I don't really care how much PDGA money he got. Yeah, I believe um, he's a, a former military man when I met him. And I mean. To be honest with you, I don't think that it's coincidence that it came at the end of the 2023 year that the PDGA had. Uh, yeah. I feel like that was a very stressful year, lawsuit-wise like, and everything. out of here. And it was probably like, if you had, if you were in a financial position to retire, I could see that being the year that you're like, hey, I'll be straight with you. This is it. 
I'm, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not. This doing is, this I signed up for frisbee golf. Not, yeah, I not, signed up to try to like not just the grow rooms. the sport. You know, push the pro scene forward. And this is yeah. not. I didn't. I didn't sign up for this. I know. I know I that's how. See uh, that. I know that's how a lot of people working in disc golf probably felt this year, being like, "What happened to growing the sport?" Holy cow. Yeah. This is so different. I could definitely see that being the reason why. But I'm. I'm very excited about this move. I really like yeah. Doug. Um, he has a lot of experience in. And his, every time I've met him, has been very, very professional guy on all fronts. He has a lot of experience within disc golf. I don't know too much about his experience outside of disc golf. Um, but, you know, I think it, he's been in the sport a long, long time. And I know he has the sport's best interest in mind. So it'll be exciting to see well, we gotta, what happens. we got to talk about a, a huge departure in the disc golf world. Danny Lindahl. Danny Lindahl. Did you have it in your notes? I didn't. No. Oh, disrespect. Danny Lindahl, he's man. Gone. He's gone. Move to Kansas he's gonna State. Do, he's going to be filming videography of wildlife or something at Kansas State. Makes me sad, dude. And listen, last time I called out Jeremy Rusko on this podcast, he threw it back in my face because apparently he was listening. So <laughs> if you are listening again, Jeremy, what are you doing? You can't. He's the one. He's going to be the one that got away. He's and I know, you're, I know you're not really in charge of anything either um, anymore, I don't think. But he's the one that got away. You should have paid him the big bucks. He's he's moving closer to family. It sounded like yeah, it was right, a big dude. thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I I agree. But listen, here's my conspiracy theory. Here's my conspiracy theory. Okay. Okay. I think they. I think. Hat today. I think that they have to move Kona into more of a media role. Okay. Um, and I think also that contract just hurts them, um, deeply. And this is not Kona slander, guys. I I don't I'm not going to be slandering Kona. You know, they, they signed her. It's not her fault. Um, but I just don't think there was room in the in the budget for Danny. And that doesn't mean necessarily they were like, we can't pay you anymore. But it might mean like, hey, I really want to raise this year. Ah, sorry, Danny. Like, it's just not in the cards. And then he was like, I can't turn down this other job that opened so up. So when you say a media role, you think Kona's like working a desk job? She's supposed to make a return at U.S. Women's. I don't know about all that, but it might just be like, okay, you're now going to be in charge of more of the media stuff. or And we might have you film more type videos that Danny Lindahl was while you're out on the road. Like, Physics of Flight, Volume 2, anybody? Danny hashtag, Lindahl can we a- get hashtag we miss Danny or bring back or justice for Danny Lindahl? Or, what do we, we need to get something trending on Twitter. <laughs> I, I mean, Danny was all, obviously a great person. He's Love a great him. guy for the sport. I think he still said he was going to go back to making stuff like on his, his channel in his free time as cool. he, as it happened, like as he has free time, but some of it, like, yeah, the Lone Star departures with Josh Hofstra, there was a, that, that didn't smell right. You know what I mean? There was a lot going on around that. This one smells okay to me. I don't see smells a ton. Okay. I don't see a ton going on with dynamic that's like no, super controversial. Isn't. Everyone's leaving. This is just and they. they I made just know they post. got a lot of money tied up in players. They do. They do. But you know, I. I that doesn't mean a disc golf job is never going to pay what a non disc golf job can pay. Like if you're a social True. media manager for Innova, obviously you could walk down the street in freaking LA and go make probably three times as much as a social media manager somewhere else. It's true. And there comes a point in people's lives when like Danny Lindahl, if he's like, man, if I, if I go to Kansas state, I'll be maybe within 30 minutes of family and I can make more money. Maybe he's at a point where he's ready to like sell down gotta and get make, married, and he's like, make a business decision. I don't want to raise a family in Emporia. Those free, those free uh, biofusion enforcers weren't getting it done anymore. Yeah, you know the the salary of fifteen biofusion enforcers a month just wasn't doing it. You know that doesn't pay <laughs> rent closer to family. So who knows? Um, but I'm hey, excited state, for him. You know, it, it feels like it seemed like it was a good move for him, but it does suck for the sport and for Dynamic Discs. We lost to a great have one. him him stepping away. So 
Uh, it does suck, but, you know, he's moving on. Bigger, better things. Uh, I wanted to highlight this as we get close to wrapping up the show. This I saw it this morning. Have you mm. seen this? Clash Disc's new tone technology. No. Okay, so Clash Is this has to do with that Sounds of Disc Golf thing? N- oh, I don't think oh. so. Did I just make a light bulb uh, click? Maybe, though. But they just posted this video on their Instagram that didn't really explain anything. So I went to their website to get the explanation. So Tone is basically a brand new development in plastic for them. So Tone, the bottom of the rim is made of stiffer plastic, which makes the disc very torque resistant. And then the top of the disc is very grippy premium plastic mixture, which guarantees the best possible feel when throwing in any condition. Tone technology combines the best properties of two different plastics in a completely new way with a three-dimensional appearance. This additionally accelerates the disc's spin during the throw. So they're kind of claiming gyro. Gyro. All these elements collectively enhance the disc, unlocking its peak performance potential. So the benefits, number one, it's the best fusion of stiffness and grip on the market is what they're claiming. Number two, faster spin speed. Number three, guarantees consistent stability for all discs. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. Number four, advanced manufacturing process allows to influence the stability. Interesting. Number five, the disc sustains its optimal properties longer. Man, they're saying a lot of things there. Um, The first disc made with the tone technology is the salt, but the technology will extend to most of their existing molds in the future. Are you ready to try the tone salt? Now, that's interesting. So they're so confident in this new tech that they're like, we're going to throw it on all of our other discs. Hey, Kudos to Clash Disc. I mean, first thing I'll say is it does look like just like different version of gyro. Um, looks cool, but though. It's, uh, so the top, it's like only the under rim. Yeah, I saw I watched the video just then. It's very interesting. It looks cool. Hey, kudos to Clash because while everybody else is just like making the same disc over and over and over again, they're trying some stuff. I mean, they tried doing that, um, what did they call it? Double, Double steady. steady plastic. And people Didn't were really like, work. People, well, people were ragging on that, and it's like, guys, they were never like that. Was never mass production. Like that was more of a tester thing. It was kind of available at some retailers, though. Right, but it was a limited release. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, whatever the case, at least they're trying. Like at least they somebody, somebody out here is trying to innovate the disc, and like that is very refreshing for me. So I'm, I'm very happy with this. I wish I saw stuff like that. It's, it's that time of the year where golf uh, manufacturers are all marketing their drivers right now taylor made is absolutely going bananas talking about how their new driver has the best moment of inertia resistance ever and it's blah 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 blah. and they got it why i wish we had that in disc golf because at least it gets you jazzed up about something and i think disc manufacturers i don't think they understand just how powerful it would be if like they did something like this every year like they came out with something, whether it's a new plastic or whatever, and they marketed it like this is the newest, latest, greatest thing. And because we'll all buy it, we're all suckers. Yeah, we're all gonna. We're buy gonna it. buy it and try it. And it's like that's the way every other industry works. Like shoes, they do it. Like anything tied to sports, they're gonna do this every year. Baseball bats. Like why does disc golf like that? We make new molds, but like you gotta you gotta get a little down to the nitty gritty. So shout out to Clash, man. Well, I'll the other it. cool thing is like the. It seems like with the plastic being under, they're able to like put the name into the rim I under saw the that. top part of the That's plastic. Sick. Looks very cool. Um, yeah. Very very cool. So it's very cool looking. The double steady did not pass the Connor Kennedy. Uh, smashed endur- it. Yeah, endurance test we'll call it. So I'm a little scared for this, but I'm very excited one to try it. You could essentially have. 
like you're you're messing with the rim of the disc, which takes the most brunt, and it's like a two part rim because you have the top and then the bottom being different types of plastic, not like over mold where it's all one type. Yeah. So like that's got to be tough to keep durable. We'll see. You would think. You would think. I'm very excited to get our hands on it and try it. Can't wait till I split one in half and turn the bottom half into a, a Roby, uh, like circle frisbee thing. <laughs> yeah, but you can you can read all of this and more over at clashdisc.com/tone, um, and, and there's also a little video to watch. I like the tone thing. on it, tone but technology. um, I'm very yeah, I'm, I'm very curious. It. I'm very curious to see it, and yeah, I more wanted to bring it up because kudos to Clash because this is. They innovated again. Uh, that's that's a way somebody's got to do it. They're getting their name out there because we we see like disc plastic look different, but they're they're trying new stuff. They're they're getting they're getting Heck themselves yeah. out there. All right, the final talking point for today is everyone's been talking about the manufacturer cup, all this stuff. Where if the teams that we talk about so much were actually teams, what would it look like? So is this person Jonathan Price in disc golf discussion? Um, he made this post. He said so. I've said for the longest time, it doesn't matter at all what brand signs a particular player. They're going to sign with whatever company will pay them the most, sell the plastic. If Disc Golf had a constructor's championship the way Formula One does, where brands also compete for a championship, it would still it would actually matter what teams sign players. That being said, I went through the Disc Golf Pro Tour results and gave the same point that Formula One drivers would earn for their team based on what position they finished. Here's the result. So basically in Formula One, you get like one through 10, I think, earn points and you earn more points the higher up you go, basically, so on and so forth. Is this MPO and FPO or just MPO? He didn't say. Because um, that would affect, obviously, with Kristen, that would change things drastically. Based on the list I'm looking at, I'm going to say only MPO. Probably. Because um, Latitude would be probably one or two if it were. Let me, let me, I'm going to just, you know what? Because you haven't seen this list, right? No. So I'm going to just have you guess who okay. is number one, do you think, points-wise. So basically, if you if a player that played for this manufacturer finished in yeah. the top ten, they earned them, earned the pro, the team points. Yeah. And then uh, the pro, the higher they finish, the more points they earn. The problem is some teams have more players than others, but like the one that pops in my head immediately is Prodigy. Prodigy number one? Yeah. That is right. So Prodigy yeah. has a— Ezra, Prodigy Gannon, and Isaac? 510 points, which puts them— uh, 75 clear of which team do you think's in number two? Hmm. This is be- definitely between, well, yeah, it's definitely between Discraft and Innova. Discraft is so deep, but like their MPO team didn't win a ton. Coriolis won a major though. Gossage was pretty good. Oh man, this is really tough. I'm going to, sp- cause like, Anova, other than Calvin, I'm going to say Discraft. Discraft's correct at 435 points. All right, all right. Number three with 344 points is? Anova. That's correct. Trevor, you're on fire. All right, let's just see how far down you can go. (laughs) Number four. Probably about here. This team has 321 points. So also had a decent amount of points. Okay. So... Could have Discmania because Eagle and Ka- Discmania. Discmania, that is yeah, right. Had to be. Next Kyle, one yeah. down is 121 points behind so we, Discmania at 200. The, now we have a drop off. This is where, this is where. I mean, MVP is like a, they have two guys. Dynamic has Rick. Didn't have like an insane season. Um, MVP. It was so. It's a little weird. I'm, I'm not going to dock you any points because they put Trilogy 
but then they also line itemed out Latitude 64 at the bottom. So I'm imagining that's just Dynamic Discs, but they might have put Dynamic and West Side together, which would have got that Matty O win in. So that's, that's ridiculous. Little unfortunate there. The that's next ridiculous. one down is MVP though at 141. Well, so we got to like give was, you some credit I there because robbed. I think they merged Ricky and Matty O's season basically, which is unfortunate. Yeah, for why would we do that? All right, I don't think there's even a point in guessing the rest of them. Next down, we had DGA at 116. Thought awesome Space damn. would have been next at 78. Proctor. Lone Star at 39. Infinite at 23. And then Latitude 64 at 4. But, yeah, it is, is a very interesting list there. It is. I think it, hey, whatever we got to do to spice things up around here. I'm not against it. I'm not either. As long as, be, as long as it's not a specific event tied to it, as long as it's just like a passive thing that happens – that we can talk about sure and the manufacturers will care about it but you know the players won't really but like what their players are just going to do their normal thing the manufacturers are just gonna they're gonna va- if the manufacturers get a payout of some sort hey i like the idea i like that you have to pay to enter every manufacturer they put in they put in five hundred thousand dollars winner takes all <laughs> the the only thing that gets weird in formula one but i don't think this could happen in disc golf but in form, or maybe it could. I don't know. In Formula One, you'll sometimes have like, if you have a player who, because you get more bonuses if a player like wins the championship, the drivers' championship, or whatever. They'll ask guys to throw. They'll ask guys to like let their teammate pass. Yeah. And stuff, or like to hold your position so you can drift behind them, and then once they're you're done drafting, they're like all right, now let them go and like slingshot. So like they'll ask one player to so, like yeah. sacrifice their performance for the benefit of the team. Oh, I don't it. know if that could happen in disc I'd golf. I'd love it. But I don't think I'd like that. I don't think I'd like if you had Corey Ellis. You got Kyle Klein. Kyle Klein has to lay up three times for the future. Yeah, like Kyle <laughs> Klein Kyle <laughs> Klein has a putt for the win at USDGC, and they're like, hey, but if Gannon mm. gets this, we can get like three times yeah. more points. So, Kyle, we're going to need you to lay up so that Gannon can take the win. <laughs> I wouldn't like that aspect of great it. Great stories, though. Great stories. would be great stories. But I don't, yeah. I don't mind because it would make the team aspect be more interesting. Sure would. And, you know – I don't know. I'm not. I'm not completely against it. We I mean, like we've even seen things. golf try to go into a team thing with live. It hasn't That's fully true. worked out, but you know, there's obviously some. What do you mean reason. they got a sick buyout, man? <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently Nike is making. Did you see this? Nike allegedly is make like signed Brooks Kepka's team and is trying to replace Tiger with Brooks. There you go. Who knows? Maybe lives the future. Could be. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not fully against it. I think it could be interesting. I think it'd be fun to keep up with throughout the season. I don't know if we're the show to do it because that seems like a lot. But if someone wants to do it and send it to us, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Why not? It's a good time. All right, well, that wraps up this week of Grip Locked. Um, you, by listening to this, either are still in the dark with us where Eagle landed or we cut something in, and you now know as long as well as us where Eagle went. Um, but as of 9.15 this morning, Eagle McMahon has not landed anywhere. So uh, that's that. We will talk to you again, though, next week. Don't forget to head over to the Grip Locked YouTube channel and um, enter the giveaway there. And also stay tuned to that channel for all the announcements that are inevitably coming this week. We'll get you immediate reactions going down over there. We'll talk to you again next week.